Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. For the reading of the Word of the Lord, I want to read uh, 2 John chapter 1. Good to see everybody here tonight. Would you be talking to someone about coming to church with you Sunday? Or at least meeting you here? Find somebody and invite them to church Sunday and see, see what the Lord will do. Help Sister Clee to pray that Andre will come. Andre from Kroger. Amen. Praise God. Help us all pray that the Lord would use us to invite folks and uh, get them to church Sunday. Good things happen when we get folks here. Amen. Second John chapter 1, verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. Everybody say the doctrine of Christ. That person who abides not in the doctrine has not God. They don't have God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Verse 10. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. If you do, here's what's going to happen. Verse 11. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Wow. That's something. Uh, you may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight about the power and the importance of this wonderful apostolic message that we believe. How many believe tonight uh, the apostles that wrote the New Testament? Uh, you, you believe that they knew what they were talking about. Amen. I, I believe I can recall Sister Barb. Maybe it was the Apostle Peter who uh, was asked the question, what shall we do? And he had an answer, didn't he? He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How many are glad tonight God's filled you with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. How many are glad tonight that you somewhere back down the road ask a preacher to baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ? But how many also know tonight that this world does not like that? How many know this world is opposed to righteousness and holiness and the truth? As a matter of fact, if you just say that you know the truth, they get mad at you. Uh, they say... Uh, some, some people say you're nuts. Other people think you're arrogant. Somebody said, you're arrogant to say that you think you know the truth. Well, I don't think that I know. I know that I know. And they say, well, that's arrogant. But you know what? We can't help ourselves that we do know that we know the truth. I can't help it. Jesus is Lord of lords. It's not my fault. I can't help it. But it's true. It is all in him. Now, this is important. I'm going to entitle my remarks tonight like this. Are you in or are you out? Are you in or are you out? Amen. Um, turn to somebody and ask them that question. Are you in or are you out? Let's go to 2 Timothy 4 and read those four verses. I charge thee therefore before God 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that means the alive, and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove. Let's stop just a minute here. Reprove, what does that mean? That means get on to them. How about one a little bit stronger? Rebuke. Uh, I want you to know, preachers walk a fine line. Leave that verse up for a while. We have to walk a very fine line. On the one hand, we have to try to please as many people as we can. I like to please as many people as I can. I'm human. I don't like making people unhappy or getting folks mad at me for something I do or something I say. But we also have to tell the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. How many of you have ever had a child that you never, ever had to one time discipline for anything? You know why you've never had children like that? Because nobody's perfect. And the same is true of saints, including this one. So every once in a while, the preacher is apt to say something that, that, that's going to make somebody uh, sit back and say, well, you know, I don't know if I like that. Brother Jeff uh, always said, I like it when you're stepping on my toes, Brother Edwards. Um, but, but, but as a preacher, I have to walk a fine line because I can't just do that because I want to do it or I feel like doing it or I come to church in a bad mood that day and take it out on you all. But there are going to be times when a preacher is going to say some things across this holy desk uh, that come directly from the forever settled word of Almighty God that does not change for anybody, no matter what their opinion or likes or dislikes may be. Now, I need to speak the truth in love, the Bible says, and not wield a sword that is meant to just mow people down, but uh, I must reprove and rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, and what? And doctrine. Uh, next verse. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Next verse. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Those verses simply mean the apostle Paul was warning us that there will come people in the church, in the apostolic church, not just in the realm of Christendom that we think of as being out there, outside of the apostolic arena, but there will be even people in the apostolic church that will succumb to what Paul said here in these verses is going to happen. They will decide they don't want to hear the truth, at least all of it anymore, because it rubs against their flesh. And their flesh retaliates and, and pushes back against that. And instead of saying, flesh, you're going to surrender to the Word of God and the will of God and believe the truth no matter what it does to your flesh, no matter what anybody else thinks, if you don't have that mindset, you are, are uh, in the realm of the potential taking place of turning to preachers that will preach what you want to hear instead of what the truth is. And every person here tonight knows someone who has walked down that road. 
and we must pray for them. Are you in or are you out? There was an article written by a man named Stanley Heron entitled The Pope's Breakfast. And this article was about different groups within Christianity uh, several years ago. The idea behind the article, uh, of course, was who does and who does not want to be invited to be associated with the largest segment of what is known as Christianity today. And, of course, I'm talking about the Catholic Church. This article, again from several years ago, was in a prominent magazine among Christian circles called Christianity Today. How many have ever heard of that magazine? This article had some very profound things to say about us, oneness, Pentecostals. Uh, and they asked this question. They wanted to know whether we are in or we're out. Uh, let me just stop right here at the very beginning and say to this church that has so graciously people have allowed me to pastor you for almost 30 years now, this is one of the heralding cries that an apostolic pastor must send forth from the pulpit on a regular basis, and I'm going to do it again tonight. Uh, we apostolics need to get to the place where we are full, full of faith and confidence in what we believe. If you do not make up your mind 100% that you believe it, then you are setting yourself up to fall. You're setting yourself up to be deceived. You're setting yourself up to eventually turn away from part or all of the truth. You've got to have a made-up mind when it comes to what you believe from the Word of God. Uh, you know, homosexuals have come out of the closet. Uh, those that say God didn't make just two genders, but, uh, well, they probably don't even put God in the equation. But there's uh, the latest I heard now was somebody they've come up with. It's over 10, 12, 13, 14 different genders a human being can be. Don't tell me that a lot of people haven't gone absolutely nuts absolutely crazy that's nothing more than the lies of hell being sown in the ears of people who will believe them and let me tell you something this country has wandered so far from being a, a godly god-seeking god-serving nation that it should be no wonder that people actually believe junk like that i mean if you told us 30, 40 years ago or even less that people would believe there's 12, 13, 14 different sexes a human being can have, we would have said that person is absolutely nuts, wouldn't we? But uh, what, what is fascinating uh, is that everything that's evil and perverted, everything that's against God is not hesitating in this day and hour to make their voice heard and, and to proclaim their opinion, and their agenda. So why shouldn't we, the church, stand strong in what we believe? I believe we ought to. This article, this, this is an interesting article in Christianity Today. It asks the question, where exactly do oneness Pentecostals stand in relation to uh, orthodoxy? 
That's the word the article uses, which is nothing more than a highfalutin, fancy word for um, religion or Christianity. And they ask this question, are oneness people, are they in or are they out? Are they with us or are they not? Now, I think that's a very personal question, and uh, you, I believe, really have to answer it for yourself. You have to decide for yourself, do you want to be included with the rest of Christianity or not? Uh, you have to answer it for you. I can't answer it for you. I think you probably know where I stand on this issue. But what's fascinating about this is most of Christianity, uh, most of the people in Christianity really don't know where to put us apostolics. They do admit in this article that oneness Pentecostals are uh, just kind of in between. They're a little bit afraid to call us a cult. They used to do that, but you don't really hear that anymore. Uh, number one, well, there's several reasons because there's so many people outside of Pentecostals and apostolics that speak in tongues now. Uh, they have discovered that it's real. A lot of people quit believing the lie that hell put out that it was of the devil or it, was, it wasn't real or people who speak in tongues are just making it up on their own, etc., etc. But they can't really uh, give those excuses anymore. Uh, another reason they don't call us a cult anymore is because we really have never had and don't have a cult leader. All cults, by definition, have a very specific uh, man or woman in charge. And another defining uh, point about cults is, and we studied this when I was in Bible college, uh, studied a lot of the well-known cults like Mormonism and Jehovah Witness and one of the Church of God, not the Christian one, but uh, one of the defining traits of a cult is they have some other source of authority than the Bible. Uh, everybody believes something. Everybody that believes something has a basis for that belief. They have something to base what they believe on. For Christians, it's the Bible. And for all the other Christians that would like to call us a cult, they can't in part because we don't believe anything else but the Bible as the truth and the Word of God. Brother Hicks, I'm preaching. Are you in or are you out? Well, you weren't here when I read my introduction, so I'm just going to go back to it now. I got this phrase uh, not only from this article, but Brother Hicks told me many years ago when he first got the Holy Ghost at Calvary at 25th and Jones, not too long after that, he didn't attend our church starting out, but he attended a church that his daughter, uh, his daughter's father-in-law pastored. And uh, one day, I don't know where it was, but uh, his granddaughter, who at that time, was that Phaedra or Dee Dee's stepdaughter? Okay, what's her name? Huh? Okay. Well, she, this is the one that asked you when you came to church one day, and uh, maybe you're thinking of a different one, and, or at, met you at a family get-together something, and they all found out that you were still sinning on the golf course by playing golf. And you told me years ago she asked you that question, Grandpa, are you in or are you out? Amen. Well, I can tell you this one thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you are a oneness Pentecostal, you are no longer 
flying under the radar in Christianity because they do know who you are. And uh, they are exploring what we believe in newer ways than ever. Uh, I am told, I've seen a little bit of it myself, but I don't get on there looking for that. My time is precious, so I don't spend more time looking for this. But I'm told that the anti-oneness material on the Internet is ever-growing. It's getting stronger and stronger and harsher and harsher. And there are more and more anti-oneness articles appearing in major magazines. Make no mistake about this, folks. Trinitarians do not plan to give up their sacred ground without a fight. As a matter of fact, it is impossible for them to do so because it is built and predicated upon what happened in 325 A.D. at the Council of Nicaea, where the doctrine called the Trinity was established and voted on as the official doctrine of uh, it was simply the church back then, but it really was the beginnings of the Catholic Church. And for centuries since then, the Trinity has made a major foothold, gathered and uh, gained a major foothold in all of Christianity, uh, almost all, around the entire world. But I believe that I know some people tonight who've got a whole new way of looking at things. Amen? Listen, when you say Jesus is God, how many, how many believe that tonight, that Jesus is God? When you say that, when you say Jesus is God, that is a revolutionary statement. It is a very powerful statement. And, and you know, there are people today who are so afraid uh, of an absolute clear-cut doctrine or belief or truth. Uh, in California, this was several years ago, I'm sure worse things have happened since then, but it's a nice little story. There was a little boy that went to school. He took his Bible with him in his backpack. Didn't take it out. Didn't read it. Just had it in his backpack at school. And uh, the teacher found out about it. They called the little boy in, and they threw him out of his school. They were so afraid of this child in the fourth grade with a Bible in his backpack. That is how frightened the world has become and is today of anybody that has a clear message that are convinced that the Bible is true and you really shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, but you should stand for truth. And when you say Jesus is God, you are making a powerful statement and the devil hates it. And there are people who side with the devil who think that they are uh, Christians believing the truth. But when you say Jesus is God, you wipe out a whole lot of folks. Not only in Christianity, but you, when you say Jesus is God, you wipe out all of Islam. You wipe out all of Buddhism. Uh, as a matter of fact, Trinitarians don't even want to say that Jesus is God without some complex explanation of it that doesn't damage their doctrine of three separate distinct persons to God. They, they want to make Jesus this second person of some imaginary three-part trinity. And, and they're just bashful uh, about uh, most of them. Now, there's a few exceptions, but most Trinitarians don't want to just stand up and say, Jesus is God. Simple. Case closed. No argument. Uh, you know what? I like saying that. 
I just happen to like saying it. It's a wonderful phrase, it sounds like to me, coming out of my mouth. Jesus is God. Well, he is God. He is the great I am. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. He is the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful, the Counselor. He is the Mighty God. When you say that Jesus is God, you not only wipe out Islam and Buddhism and these other religions, Trinitarians have to explain it in some complex way uh, when you say Jesus is God they sometimes consider it as a joke but it's not a joke amen now before this thing is all said and done listen to me right now I like to shout and go rah-rah uh, right along with you when the preacher says Jesus is God and when a preacher says God is one there's one God let me tell you something. There's going to come a time on this earth we see it approaching. We see the stage already being set where you believing and declaring Jesus is God is going to cost you and I more than just somebody else looking down their nose at us. It is going to come to a point in this world before everything is said and done that when you say Jesus is God, they will take your life if you don't recant. And there are Christians, both in and out of the apostolic ranks, that have suffered that fate down through the last 2,000 years of the church in various countries under various regimes and uh, political machines that were in power. But it's coming to the whole world eventually before God winds this whole thing up. I am convinced that if we'll just keep on loving the truth and holding on to the truth, if we'll just keep on preaching this one God message that God will anoint us more than ever before, he will send us out to more people than ever before and will use us more than ever before to reach the lost masses of humanity in the earth. Hallelujah. How many of you know Jesus is God tonight? How many of you really love the truth? How many believe there is no turning back? How many know the Lord is the one that called you into this thing? How many know you were struck down on your road to Damascus just like the Apostle Paul and God's light shined in your heart and you said, whoa, Jesus is God. Listen, you're not in the church by accident tonight. God made a way for you. God called you. He knew you would say yes. Aren't you glad you did? Praise God. You know, some people, uh, they might say, well, you know, if we just back off a little bit, maybe somehow people would be more interested in what we have to say. Now, let's just think about that for a moment. When I think about that, I begin to realize how absurd that is. Let me ask you something. If you go wake up your kids uh, in the morning and they need to go to school, they're on the clock, there's a time deadline, and they don't come the first time you call them, what's going to happen? Do you find yourself saying, well, maybe if I just back off a little bit, they'll get up? No, you don't do that, do you? You go in there and you make your case a little bit louder, and if you have to get involved in a little shaking or whatever, you're going to get them up, aren't you? 
I believe that we need to continue and do it more than ever before in standing for the truth. I believe we don't ever need to quit saying, wake up, world. We never need to quit saying, Jesus is God. Never quit saying, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Never quit saying there's only one God. Never quit saying about the Bible that this is the Word of God forever settled in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. I, I read a little bit from John Wesley's uh, diary, and he was a man, I'm not sure uh, exactly what his doctrinal stand was on some things, but I do know that he was a courageous preacher of the Word of God and was used of God in uh, several decades to bring revival, uh, as were other preachers of the day, to bring revival to a lot of people. At least, uh, if it wasn't the full truth, at least it was to draw them to uh, a closer experience with God in a, a world that was basically without God. John Wesley wrote uh, in his diary a wonderful example of courage and really how we ought to be. Listen to this. Let me just read uh, an excerpt from a page in his journal. Sunday morning, May the 5th, preached at St. Anne's and was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday morning, May the 12th, preached at St. John's, and the deacon said, get out and uh, stay out. Sunday night, May the 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday night, uh, May the 12th or 19th, preached on the street, got kicked off the street. Sunday morning, May the 26th, preached out in a meadow, got chased out of the meadow when a bull was turned loose during the middle of my sermon. Sunday morning, June the 2nd, preached out or chased out, uh, preached out at the edge of town and got kicked off the highway. Sunday evening, June the 2nd, preached at the afternoon service in a pasture, and 10,000 people came. Hallelujah. Here's what I'd like to propose to you good, godly, apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled, Jesus-named people tonight. If you and I will keep believing the truth. We know what the truth is. If you'll keep witnessing to your friends and neighbors, I know that people uh, may have been thinking or even saying around here, you know, Pastor, there's not a whole lot happening. We've lost some folks, and, and uh, we're not really gaining a whole lot of people to take their place. Here's what I believe. If you will continue to invite people to church, if you will continue to invite your friends and your neighbors and tell them how good God is, if you will keep witnessing to your family, if you'll keep believing the truth and witnessing to your friends and neighbors, if you'll keep testifying when the devil tells you don't testify, if you'll teach Bible studies when the devil says don't teach Bible studies, if you will sing when they say don't sing those oneness songs anymore, just keep singing them. If we will persist, we will, if we will wake up every morning and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to serve him in truth. If we will commit ourselves from the top of our head to the sole of our feet, there's no telling how our persistence will pay off by God moving and rocking this city and the surrounding area for his kingdom. 
and his cause. Contrary to what some people might say tonight, there are still people that want to hear the truth. I know this one thing, backing off will get us nowhere. But believing and witnessing and testifying with faith and conviction and strength and love and courage, that's going to win the people that God is trying to reach with the truth of the gospel. Turn to somebody right now and say, are you in or are you out? And so I ask you here tonight, Wednesday night, I'm asking this church, where are we going to be? What are we going to do? Where are you going to be? What are you going to believe? It's a very important question. What do you think about these things, these matters of profound, very much important? I don't want to be a loser. I don't want to be esteemed by people uh, who look down on me because of uh, anything, because of what I believe or whatever. I, I don't want to be hated by people. But that's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. There are people who, who take it on the chin. They have done it in this church who attend this church and they are persecuted and have been persecuted by members of their own family because they choose to stand for this glorious truth of what the Bible says. You've got to realize that when you take a stand for that which is right and that which is holy for the truth, it's going to separate you from some folks. Amen. Do you realize tonight that this movement that you are a part of, that this church is a part of, got its start uh, in the modern time period of about uh, a little over 100 years ago when 156 men got up and walked out of a meeting of the Assemblies of God conference. It was about 1906, and they didn't want to create another organization. It wasn't because a group of men uh, wanted to be in charge, and they weren't in charge, so they were going to go off to do their own thing so they could run it. No, no, no. It, it wasn't people that, uh, that wanted to do this. In fact, uh, it is said they cried. They wept on their way out of that uh, meeting hall that night. They literally were thrown out, in a sense, because a resolution was passed in that meeting that said that Trinitarianism had to be the fundamental doctrine necessary for salvation. And so they felt they had no choice but to leave because they didn't believe that. And some of them were preaching, pastoring churches of thousands of people. And some of them went from preaching to thousands to home mission overnight, preaching to hardly anybody. It's a, it's a fascinating story. 156 men uh, over 100 years ago in one of the pivotal moments in the history of the modern church and modern religion. And now, from 156 men, there's well over 50 million oneness apostolic believers worldwide. Praise God. Who would have ever thought of that? So, I'm going to bring this to a close. The question still poses itself. Are you in or are you out? Uh, I, I heard... Recently, well, it's been a while back now that uh, there's a tradition 
in the Vatican. That's the headquarters of the Roman Catholic Church. The Pope uh, has had a tradition. I don't know if it's still in vogue uh, or is used or not, but it, it did at one time where the authority of the Pope was instilled not only in what he said, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody, but it's the truth from what I understand that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has put in place that whatever comes out of the Pope's mouth is as held in high esteem. It is equal to the written Bible. It is the Word of God, whatever comes out of the Pope's mouth. And as a part of that establishment of uh, that esteeming and, and uh, reverencing what the Pope says and does, as a part of that, there was an a, a edict that went forth that whatever the Pope kisses is something or someone he blesses. That's why the, the tradition is you, when you bow before the, the Pope, you, you try to kiss his hand, right? Uh, or he kisses your hand, one of the two. So uh, somebody asked a question along this line one day. Well, what if the, co the Pope kisses a pig? Would we believe that that pig is infallible and a part of the structure of the church of the living God? What I'm trying to say is the Word of God is the only thing you can put your trust in as forever true it will never change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change, and his word is forever settled in heaven. It is forever true, and it will never change. Amen. His name is above every name. The name of Jesus is the only name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Another way of saying that is, turn the words around, it means the same. Jesus is the only saving name there is. The only way you can be saved is through and by and in the name of Jesus. Can I get a witness? And as the word says, someday every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Let me take you back. One more time to the article in Christianity Today. Listen to what they said. The National Association of Evangelicals, the Pentecostal World Fellowship, and the Pentecostal Fellowship of North America. Now, these are groups that are in their corral that have found approval with the orthodoxy of the Church of Christianity, the Trinitarians. National Association of Evangelicals, the Pentecostal World Fellowship, and Pentecostal Fellowship of North America rightly find that oneness Pentecostals are too far removed from classical orthodoxy to be included in their ranks. One more time, I ask you the question. This is not a question for children is a question for people who know they've got to make up their mind. Are you in or are you out? The answer to that question, I, I, I'm saying to this group of people here tonight, 
The answer to that question will determine the fate of this church. The answer to that question, did, did you know there are oneness apostolic churches who have as a church, as a body, left the truth? It happens. The answer to that question, are you in or are you out, determines the future of your family. The answer to that question determines the nature and the outcome of your own personal spiritual life and your own destiny. That means where you're going to end up living in eternity. The answer to this question determines your acceptance or your lack of acceptance in the so-called modern Christian world today. Your answer to this question determines your relationship with the rest of society at large. The answer to this question may even affect your life. I, I, I've got to finish this. Musicians, go ahead and come. I believe with all my heart that we can help people to come to a revelation of the truth by having the right attitude, the right spirit, the right approach, one of love and care like uh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla did in the book of Acts with Apollos. Apollos was a mighty preacher. Uh, he was on, uh, mentioned in the same sentence as the apostle Paul uh, in the church, the New Testament church. But when he first came in, he didn't have all the truth. And uh, Aquila and Priscilla, some tent makers, just a, a man and woman, they weren't even preachers or leaders in the church. Uh, they took Apollos in for a few days or weeks and uh, put up Acts 18 and 26, brother. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. I don't know if it was uh, he hadn't uh, heard Jesus' name baptism yet uh, or uh, oneness of God or uh, speaking in tongues uh, or, or whatever, but it was something that he didn't have the whole truth, and they helped him to attain that. What a tremendous gift they gave him. What did they, what did they really do? They took him gently and with love. They waited until he was speaking in this church service, apparently, and they expounded or declared to him the truth more perfectly. You know what that tells me? That tells me that right there, I don't know all the details of it, but obviously right there, there was a moment of contention uh, and confrontation. Uh, they loved him, but they were good and they were kind and they were hospitable, but they nevertheless were not afraid to tell him, look, Apollos, you don't have all. You need some more truth. Here it is. Amen. If you are going to win your brother or your sister or your mother or your father or your husband or your wife or your children or your grandchildren, you cannot be afraid of confrontation. In love, in sincerity, in a peaceful, humble, meek frame of mind and voice. But you've got to be willing to explain the truth to somebody more perfectly. And you know what that means? 
This verse here tells me that there was a difference between what Apollos knew and what he needed to know. Uh, Do you think all ideas are equal? Do you think all concepts are equal? Let's just get down to reality. Do you think all churches are equal? When I hear someone who has come into this apostolic church, who's been here a while, talk about somebody getting saved in a church, another church across town that does not believe or preach the fullness of the truth, the new birth message, the Acts 2.38 plan of salvation, then I know that person who has come into our midst is like Apollos. They hadn't got it yet. And, and you know, different people uh, learn at different speeds. And we don't need to be pushy or hateful or overbearing, but we need to, in love, make it known that this is an apostolic church. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And the apostles explained what that was and went about preaching it for the entire book of Acts. And it was repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and infilling of the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues as the evidence. Uh, There are good ideas and bad ideas. There's false anointings and real anointings. There's real miracles and there's false miracles. There's real churches and there's false churches. I hate to say that. I hate telling anybody they're wrong. I'm not one of those kind of people that loves to rub it in your face when I get to correct you. I'm not that way. But we have to deal with this fact that we're going to have to show people and tell people the truth in love. When you preach the truth, the truth confronts. It confronts sin. It confronts false doctrine. It confronts evil. It confronts our flesh. So the question is, are we in or are we out? How are you going to answer that as we stand together tonight? Moses, in his final farewell, he knew he was about to pass from the scene. God was going to bury him in Mount Nebo. He was never going to get to set foot in the promised land on the other side of Jordan. He made a speech to the children of Israel before he died. And he he told God's people, he said, they're rock. Those people out there, some people don't like me saying that. They say, well, that's divisive. I'm sorry. Doctrine divides. Truth divides. And the reason it divides is because there are things that are not true out there in Christianity. God told, or Moses told the Israelites, he told the people of God, he said, their rock is not our rock. He said, their God is not our God. Folks, if we don't understand that, when are we going to? I don't want to be an emulator or an imitator of something or somebody that does not hold to the truth of the Word of God. I want to be led by the Spirit, and I want to be led by the Word of God. And and I'm telling you, there are people today that are pretending to be Pentecostal, and they're not Pentecostal. Let's just be who we are and be unashamed about it. Let's be Pentecostal. Let's be apostolic. Somebody say, Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus is God. 
He is the author and the finisher of our faith. All things are through Him, and all things are by Him, and all things are for Him. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And by Him all things do consist. So I ask you tonight, are you going to be in or are you going to be out? As every head is bowed and every eye closed, I want this church to be fully and totally 100% in, in the truth. Amen. I want to be a part of the blood-washed throng on Judgment Day. I want the Lord to see the blood that's been applied to my life because I was buried in a watery grave of baptism in Jesus' name. And I want, to, I want the Lord to see the power of the Holy Ghost in me that raises me up off of this earth when the rapture or the first resurrection takes place because I receive the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. Hallelujah. What does it mean to be an apostolic Pentecostal? It means to do it just like the apostles preached it. To preach it just like they preached it. To do it just like they did it. Praise God. Amen. If there's anybody that wants to be in tonight, I want you to write where you stand with your eyes closed. Lift your hand and tell the Lord that. God, I want to make it. I want to go all the way in the truth. Come on, pray that prayer with me right now as we bring this service to a close. Jesus, I know that you came and bled and died for me. And if I don't accept you the way you said for me to in your word, the way you instructed the apostles to, and the way they preached it, if I don't do it that way, Lord, then, then you died in vain as far as I'm concerned. Because I'll die lost if I don't become born again like you said I had to be in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I want my family to be saved. I want my loved ones to make it. I want my neighbors, my, the people I went to school with, the people I've ever, always, uh, everybody I ever worked with. God, I want everybody that I've ever known, ever will know, to know this truth and to believe it to accept it. So God, help us to know it and believe it and accept it and live it like we'll never believe anything else as far as the truth of God, but that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And it's only through you that we can enter eternal life. Hallelujah. God, put it down on the inside of every person who is now or ever will become a part of this church assembly. A belief in the truth, the absolute inerrant truth. It's true no matter what anybody and everybody else may say. It's true no matter what lies hell may try to deceive us with. Your truth is truth, and it's all truth. In the name of Jesus, help us to stand for that truth the way you want us to, that we might be the light that shines in this dark, dark world just before you come and catch your bride away. Help us to stand for that truth like never before. In your will, we pray. And we thank you for it, and we praise you for it, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you think it would be good to make your calling and election sure tonight? The way the Word of God says, I want you to go find somebody and shake their hand and say, are you in or are you out? And then whoever asks you that, I want you to answer them. Answer them. Come on. We know one another. We don't need to be shy. We need to stand up for the truth, especially among ourselves. Go ask somebody, are you in or are you out?
and see what they say. Praise God. God bless you tonight. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.